welcome back, Poison Pals, to another episode. We are finally back on Megan's story. You had two doses of me. You're going to have another dose of Megan finally long overdue. So, Megan, mm-hmm. what's it going to be? <laughs> I don't even know if anyone could hear all that. Right, all right. <laughs> You're all good. So I think last episode I hinted at a very boring topic, that which is still unfair. That topic <laughs> is going to come. But I decided to go a totally different direction because I was still not motivated on the topic I referenced. So we're going to do something totally different Love today. It. And I have faith that it'll be entertaining. Down. I guess I'll start with Poison Pals today. I am going to ruin. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> I am going to ruin glamping for some of you if you're into glamping Ooh. on a very basic level. It's it's not that. It's like it's not totally about glamping. Actually, okay. not at all. That's a very small part of it. But on okay. some level, this will ruin glamping for you. Hmm. Have you ever glamped, Harini? I have glamped, which is why I was not expecting you to go there. I have glamped, yeah. and it was it was wonderful that was where i saw my first tarantula it was in big sur oh, nice we yeah. camped out in big sur at like the ventana's campgrounds it was definitely high-end okay. glamping right that was right. actually right before i saw you and drew in october mm. 2020 when we all were in russian river we oh yes mm-hmm. yes i remember yes you told yeah. us about that trip yeah that looked nice that, that was, was so nice nice glamping yeah I think if you're doing that <laughs> level of glamping, you do not have to worry about what's going to be talked about today. Okay. okay. Uh, but it's something to be aware of if you are someone who does appreciate doing the outdoors, yeah. the camping setting, sure, sure. and all that. So, wait. Yes. It, well, I'm sure you'll get into it, but <laughs> is this specific to glamping or just regular camping or a little bit of both? Or will I find out? Hmm. The, the setting that it opens with has to do with like camping glamping being outdoors okay but actually we'll be talking about a virus today (gasps) and so yeah we'll be talking about a virus um (laughs) so it's not your very it's not your traditional poison topic yeah but like the way the virus is transferred that vehicle for it (laughs) is essentially toxic but we'll get there it's all gonna remain mystery and until you know halfway through are you you gonna are you gonna talk about (laughs) monkeypox no i am not that is a hot topic right now i know nothing about the monkeypox i know you just made a tiktok about it uh, no i won't be talking about monkeypox cool this is old this is 2012 circa 2012 it's an old disease yeah i mean actually quite contemporary but (laughs) but, all right right, here we go so let me let me set the scene all right poison pals here we go It's June of 2012 in Yosemite Valley, Mm. California. School is out and it is peak season for the national park. Tens of thousands of people from California locals to French mountaineering enthusiasts inundate the valley between June through August for a summer of pristine wilderness and breathtaking landscapes. I love it. Close your eyes and picture the sound of a blackbird's call across a meadow, mm. complemented by the gentle shushing of reed grass, disturbed by a warm breeze. <laughs> that was the blackbird, but blackbirds don't cuckaw. Anyway, but you get that. That is this, that is Lovely, the scene and beautiful. the environment, and and also, um. Yeah, like Harini, have you been to Yosemite? I uh, sure have. I've only been once or twice, though. So. Okay, 
I think I've only gone once as a child. Mm. So it's been a minute. Like yeah, it's time same. after doing the story, I was like, I need to go to Yosemite yeah. despite <laughs> what's going to happen in the story. <laughs> yeah. um, but for those of you who have visited, you're probably very familiar with the wonderful landscapes, the meadows, mm-hmm. the the mountains, obviously, and mm-hmm. um, waterfalls, too. So I'm um, just think, think Yosemite in the summer if you have been. Lovely. But if you haven't been, that's me trying to set the scene. So yes. I hope you can imagine it. <laughs> yes, I can. All right. So going back, the travelers who set foot in Yosemite Valley this summer and summers to come are here to escape, to become one with the elements in a way that they are most comfortable with. For the most experienced dendrophiles, they opt for backpacking into the rural sectors of the park, leaving behind the stock Yosemite tourism. For those who prefer a balance of available amenities with the outdoors, there are an abundance of group campgrounds to Mm -hmm. choose from, typically located near the most popular attractions in the park. There are even tent camps, essentially glamping at its most basic level, located in a quaint quote-unquote neighborhood called Curry Village. (laughs) If this is a good choice for those who don't want to bother with the hassle of bringing their own tents or sleeping pads, are seeking an added layer of protection from the wilderness, and don't mind paying an additional $80 to $120 per mm-hmm. night on top of general park fees. In fact, a new batch of tent cabins called the 900s were put up in this summer of 2012 to accommodate a growing mm. number of visitors. Gotcha. Okay. Curry Village is where I was born. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like, is this for real? Or are you commenting on your Indianness? <laughs> My Indianness. <laughs> I love, it. I love uh, it. All right, all right. Megan, real quick. Yes. Mm-hmm. Actually, this ties back to my last clamping experience. When we went okay. to Russian River and we stayed in that Airbnb, do you remember when we all uh, meandered outside and looked at the moon? Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember we passed Definitely. by that glamping site that was in Russian yes. River. So there's yes, something yes. similar to that. Th- that exa- exact same thing is in Yosemite now. So that's what I'm imagining. I'm not I'm not sure okay. it's that glampy, but that's what I have in my head. I'll definitely send you photos and Poison Pals if you are able to look up Curry Village at this moment. Please do so. Um, it is not as nice. What Harini's describing in Russian River was it was a glamp ground but like there were air streamers i'm pretty mm-hmm, sure mm-hmm. and like full-on yurts like very yes. very nice yurts mm-hmm. um if you look up curry village in yosemite they almost look like like um almost like military tents essentially there's yeah. white canvassing on the outside yeah. of like a hard structure and then in then in the so- inside it's just like cots okay so if cots with like hardwood floor and oh. they do have electrical outlets, but it's like very, to me, it's intense glamping because Harini, as you know, I am someone yeah. who typically goes full traditional camping. Like yep. I like to lay in the dirt <laughs> um, and I, that's what I enjoy. It's what I grew up with and, and no, no shame to glamping. I, I know it's really, it can be really, really nice. So if, if it's worth it to you, then it's worth it. Yeah. But um, yeah, like the one Curry Village looking at it it's it's like kind of like the most basic sure uh, there's yeah it just looks like like military tents i don't know gotcha. the cot, it's very small mattresses on cot it's still and, rustic but it's yeah it's, it's still rustic rough right yeah exactly exactly okay so unfortunately in the summer of 2012 
those who paid extra for comfort at Curry Village <laughs> became victims to the exact thing they were paying extra to avoid. <laughs> oh, my God. A total of 1,700 visitors who stayed within the new 900s <gasps> that summer risked exposure to a deadly virus. Oh, shit. Officially, though, I know it's a large number, but officially, 10 visitors fell deathly ill, were like officially mm. known to have carried the virus, mm-hmm. and three were killed. <gasps> they had all developed what's called hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, a rare disease caused by a relatively rare virus that's primary kill mechanism is acute respiratory failure. Oh, shit. How did these happy glampers contract <laughs> such a deadly oh, disease? <laughs> they are not happy campers. <laughs> they are not. So do you know anything about this, Harini? Do you I, know anything about hant- hantavirus? I know it as far as just knowing the name, and that is it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you, 2012, you and I, we were freshmen in college. Yeah. It, and this is June of 2012. So we just finished our... No, we're about to go to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. This is like we graduated. Yeah. Yeah. I personally don't remember hearing anything about this despite no. living and, you know, growing up in California. No, I Do you remember in 2012 and through 2016, I gave no shits about anything besides myself. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I think we're in the same in boat. In my immediate vicinity. <laughs> we were in the same boat. We were in the same boat. Okay, I was, yeah, all I, I cared really... about was call me maybe and that was it. <laughs> Yes. Uh, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. I didn't really pay attention to the news. Yeah. You know, whatever. I was a teenager. Like, I don't know. <laughs> that was a great year. That summer was amazing, <laughs> was though. I remember that summer being <laughs> fucking phenomenal. So, yeah. That no, summer through no through college, like mm-hmm. that first year of college. Mm. Peak year. Peak, peak year. We peaked. We peaked. <laughs> we did point. peak. Yeah. Anyways. All right. So, okay. So, you don't know anything about this. <laughs> there's a chance some of our listeners might be knowing and they might be screaming at their I know. phone or speaker or whatever being like, I know exactly what happened, but uh, <laughs> let me tell the story, yes, friends. Let me. Okay. Sit down. Sit your ass down. All right. All right. Okay. So let's go into first, what is hantavirus pulmonary syndrome mm. and what's its history? Okay. Okay. Hantavirus pulmonary syndrome is a type of disease that is caused by a genus of viruses called orthohantaviruses. Mm-hmm. So HPS, I'm just going to call it HPS, hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, is the disease. Orthohantavirus is the virus that causes the, the, the disease. Okay. Okay. The first description of the virus, orthohantaviruses, or you can just call them hantaviruses, mm-hmm. can be traced all the way back to Chinese writings over 900 years ago. Wow. So it's been it's been present in like <clears throat> medical literature for a very very long time. Wow. It has been clinically recognized throughout history, but it wasn't fully isolated from its source, mm-hmm. which will remain unnamed until halfway through. Okay. Of <laughs> until 1976 Ooh. by Korean epidemiologist Ho Wang Lee Ooh. following an outbreak among over 3000 plus UN soldiers during the Korean oh, War. Oh shit. <clears throat> So that's when it was actually isolated from its source. Okay. Um, and that's how we actually got the name hantavirus because it, when it was isolated, this happened near the Hantan River mm. in South Korea. Okay. And Very there are cool. some epi- um, etymology for you. There yeah, you I love that. And epidemiology. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Hantaviruses are associated with two diseases. I've already listed one, the hantavirus pulmonary syndrome. Mm-hmm. The other disease is called hemorrhagic 
hemorrhagic fever with <sighs> renal syndrome. I won't be talking about that one okay. at all today. That does okay. not apply to our story. And I was like, I'm not willing to do that research. That's okay. Right now. That's okay. okay. So we'll be only focusing on hantavirus pulmonary syndrome. Perfect. Let's see. I want to make clear, though, that the disease that was identified, so like the virus was isolated during the Korean War, mm. but the disease that was impacting all those UN soldiers was the hemorrhagic fever with renal god i'm already forget the name <laughs> with renal syndrome okay they had that one that we're not even going to talk about got it but what's in what, what's interesting is hantavirus pulmonary syndrome what we are talking about is the more fatal of the two okay. hantavirus diseases that's okay. literally what i was going to ask you megan yes in my head <laughs> once again this one is more fatal and it's it's epidemiology is actually really really interesting okay. so i will I hope it blows your mind as much as it blew my mind. So I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. So let's see. There are currently several iterations of hantavirus pulmonary syndrome outbreaks that we that have occurred or have been identified. The outbreak in Yosemite mm-hmm. is specifically called the Sinombre virus. Mm. So... I hope this doesn't get too convoluted, but I'll try my best. Yeah. So the Sinombre virus was first identified and isolated in 1993. So we knew okay. about this virus, but I think it's kind of crazy that it wasn't until 1993 that this particular virus came to light, despite yeah. us knowing about hantavirus for you know mm-hmm. years or yeah. decades. There was an outbreak in the spring of that year, 1993, near the Canyon de la Muerta of the Navajo Reservation in Arizona, mm-hmm. as well as in the Four Corner region of the United States, which is where Arizona touches, you know, four other state borders. Yeah. So there was something going on in Arizona. Okay. What happened was a young Navajo man and his fiance had ended up passing due to acute respiratory failure. Oh, An Indian Health Service doctor discovered a pattern of deaths among five other healthy young people mm-hmm. who had exhibited the same symptoms according to their records before they passed. So because they noticed that pattern, they brought in like a specialist or, you know, CDC specialist. During this outbreak, 13 people were infected and half of them passed away. Oh so mortality God. rate is more than half or yeah. Yeah, half. So very, very high. Mm-hmm. After those two initial, you know, man and fiance came Mm -hmm. in, more patients came forward, most of which were of the Navajo Nation or came from the reservation region. Mm -hmm. Media, of course, quickly dubbed the virus the Navajo flu. Yeah. (laughs) On the research end, it was originally called Muerto Canyon Hantavirus. Okay. And then they changed it to the Four Corner Virus. And then they changed it. Oh, well... So there was actually objection from the uh, Navajo Nation to both those names because they didn't want it associated with that region. Um, no, that's but fine. If you, but right, why if, not just call it hantavirus? Just call it what it is. I, I like, know, why do you I need know. to give it a different name? Right, right. So um, this is not me trying to make an excuse, but from my, my understanding is that the traditional naming of viruses is based on the location it's discovered so for mm-hmm. the researchers they're like let's just call it the you know the area it was discovered plus hantavirus right but then um you know navajo nation was like hey we we object to this yeah and we want you to respect that sure so eventually they the name changed one more time to 
a virus sin nombre or the virus without a name. Um, And this happened in 1994 in the following year of the initial outbreak. I don't know how many months actually passed between this this naming or whatever. Mm -hmm. But anyway, this happened in 1994. Okay. Ironically, this name actually does make the most sense um, outside of, you know, um, them trying to be respectful to the Navajo Nation because virologists from the CDC who are working on the case realized that whatever virus was impacting these patients and victims actually had a genetic link to a hantavirus that's only unique in Europe. Weird. Um, prior to this outbreak, and this is what blows my mind, there were no known hantaviruses in North America. What None. the hell? We did not have hantavirus in North America that's, at all. That's what I was wondering because you said mm-hmm. it showed up in, or it was in China like since 900 years ago. So I was right. like, oh, that's that's interesting that this virus seems to be all over the place. But right. there's that backstory so, there. Here's what's even more wild. And because remember the ones, the hantaviruses that have been kind of uh, recorded since way back then, plus the one that was isolated in Korea, those viruses specifically were tied to the other form of disease, the the renal, the renal one, Mm -hmm. the renal syndrome disease. Right. What they found at, and during this 1993 outbreak, 1993 outbreak was a completely new endemic species of hantavirus unique to North America. And that also is why like they called it sin nombre because they've never even seen this type before. Yeah. And because it was a new virus, it also is, it documented the very first outbreak of hantavirus pulmonary syndrome Whoa. disease. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So HPS, was had never been seen officially before until this outbreak holy shit so like north america breeding its own oh my (laughs) god own disease that's more fatal too yeah yeah and it's more fatal and i thought that was crazy and it happened in like southwest united states of all places so So bizarre yeah super weird yeah once they identified however that it was ultimately a hantavirus despite it being a brand new strain mm. plus a brand new disease with new symptoms. Yeah. Researchers and healthcare professionals knew exactly how the virus was being transmitted. Mm. And you don't know how, right? You don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I have no idea. You're stressing me out. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna, okay. Don't worry. This will all tie back to the story, the initial story. Okay. So hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, which is caused by the hantavirus, right? It's mm-hmm. a zoonotic disease. Yeah. This means that it is spread from an animal to a human. Mm-hmm. In the case of hantaviruses, they are specifically carried by rodents and spread through their excrement. That's feces, urine, and saliva. Okay. Often, it's when this excrement is aerosolized as part of the dust or debris what? that gets into people's respiratory systems and that's how people get sick or you know get yeah. the virus in their body oh my God. the synombre virus is specifically carried by deer mice in the united states okay only deer mice what the hell <laughs> and actually if you wanted to do re- further research other forms of hantavirus that cause hps um do occur in other parts of the state but they're carried by different species of mice that's it's weird. really wild yeah yeah um but this one synombre virus is only carried by deer mice okay 
just some fun facts on deer mice mm. real quick. Yeah, yeah. They are, they are pretty abundant and prolific in Lord. North America. Their habitats range from alpine, northern boreal forests, deserts, grasslands, brushland, agricultural fields, and tropical habitats. While there are many theories as to why hantavirus is unique to rodents, and that's global. Like, okay. hantavirus, regardless of the disease that it causes, it is specific to rodents. Okay. At rodentia. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so while... While there are many theories as to why there's that that bond or that linkage, the most you know simple and popular theory is coevolution. Okay, we don't actually know why they've paired together. That's so interesting. Um, so, so if you had a question, it's like, wow, why do they carry this disease? Yeah, scientists don't actually know. <laughs> wow. Okay. How or why that happened? All they know is that they can trace back the disease itself is thousands of years old. Yeah, thousands of years old. Yeah, but they they see that the first linkage to the virus with rodents mm-hmm. is like 500 to 600 years ago. So, so like what happened? Yeah. You know, like, we don't know. Okay. We don't know the genome or whatever. Okay. So that's beyond me too. I was like, that's, <laughs> that's hard to get dry. No offense. No, I'm sorry. But like, you know, anyway. <laughs> okay. So, so now we know hantavirus pulmonary syndrome is caused by the ingestion or encephalation mm-hmm. of mice poop. That's disgusting. Poop, poop, <laughs> and saliva. Okay. Yes. All right. So going back to Yosemite okay. 2012. So this is from a very fantastic article, probably the most in-depth article I found from that time about this outbreak. Okay. It's from, I don't know if it's like an actual tangible magazine or just like an online thing, mm-hmm. but it's called, it's, the source is called Outside, oh. um, and the title is called The Story Behind the Hantavirus Outbreak at Yosemite by Bruce Barcott. Mm-hmm. Definitely give it a read if you're more interested, because they go into further detail. Yeah. But anyway, I'm going to read a snippet from the Outside uh, article. A quick check of lodging records revealed that Visitor 1 and Visitor 2 had one commonality. Visitor 1 and Visitor 2 are the first people to have gone into like the hospital to indicate... Okay. like hey, I don't feel good. And they were identified to be carrying some sort of hantavirus. Okay. Okay. So that's some background. So a quick check of lodging records revealed that Visitor 1 and Visitor 2 had one commonality. Both stayed in the signature tent cabins, the (laughs) new 900s. Alarm bells rang. Daniel Butke, a veterinary epidemiologist who works for the National Park Service, met a state public health team, including Mariposa County Public Health Officers Charles Mosher and Curry Village. Their weapon of choice, pencils. <laughs> Quote, as we go through those dwellings, we're trying to identify any gaps a quarter inch or larger. So they're oh. basically using pencils to like check for gaps in the structure okay. of these tent camps or okay. tent, tent ca- cabins, whatever. Right. Butke says, that's all a mouse needs to squeeze into a cabin. Ugh. If you can stick a pencil through a gap, it needs to be addressed. What? During their inspections the team discovered something interesting. Mm. When you pulled back that canvas, you could see there were mice living in the void space between the walls, Butke says. Oh my fucking God. (laughs) They were nesting in the insulation. (laughs) For a human to be infected by such a short-lived virus, you need an ongoing infestation. In Curry Village, deer mice might have occasionally scurried across the floor of the older soft-sided tents. Okay. But in the hard-sided 900s, they lived in the walls, uh, continually shedding virus. Delicioso. 
I know. I should have put a trigger warning. Uh, small furry creatures that are rodents and grossness. Just, oh my just God. gnarliness. Just, just anything living in your walls is a big yes. no. A big no. Yes. <laughs> so basically, that's what they they discovered. They discovered that these little, very basic glamping Ugh. tent enclosures were just great sites for mice to live. Dude. And the other thing was... In Yosemite, there's usually a rule of like, when, if you have food in your campsite, you yeah. need to store it in bear safe containers. Yeah, yeah. And that's usually the case. Mm-hmm. So you you have to keep your stuff outside as well because right. if you're in a normal tent, you don't want to risk a bear trying to break into your tent totally. for food. Totally. <laughs> then you're at risk. Right. But in these specific tents, cabins that actually have like, wooden structure essentially you could keep food inside your cabin and so with the insulation and the ability to live in the walls plus the food source (laughs) mice were just thriving in these little little cabins they were camping Um, too (laughs) they were they were like this is vacation (laughs) (laughs) and so that's what was causing people to be sick okay lord here's the craziest part of the story okay after realizing there was an infestation, park officials shut down the cabins, like the 900s, in yeah. early August for a deep clean. Yeah. They didn't shut down the park. They just shut down like that portion of Curry Village. So they deep cleaned it and reinforced the canvas to the woods so that there'd be no gaps and so no mice could squeeze through. Sure. They then reopened the tent cabins um, within like the same month. But people kept getting sick because when they swept the cabins... The virus was still there because it's in the it's the feces right. and the saliva, it's the excrement. And, and I know they say they deep cleaned it, but I'm like, from what I read, like people were like brooming with a with a broom, <laughs> and the, it sweep the dust up. Of course, and pe- it would get stuck to the walls. And the, remember, there's like they provide like linens and all that too oh, in there. Lord. So who knows what's sticking to what? Um, and so. This is actually the craziest, craziest part. Uh, I can't. <laughs> camp officials, they did not officially announce that there was an outbreak of hantavirus until August 16th, after the third visitor was declared dead on August 12th. So basically, what? they kept the camp running. They closed it to deep clean it. Then mm-hmm. they reopened it. And then they officially were like, we have to let them know that there's hantavirus. And mind what the you, hell? the first visitor who like was noted to have hantavirus she visited in june or yeah she visited in june and Ugh. the second guy visited in july and the third guy visited in late july and they never once announced until mid-august yeah, that's terrifying that's that there terrifying. was an outbreak so retroactively they ended up you know closing it all again yeah. and sent those 1700 visitors a message of like there was an outbreak you might be at risk go hell? get yourself checked oh my god <laughs> yeah so that's the story of the Yosemite <laughs> outbreak, which I just thought was such a treat and wild. Wow. And maybe like, you know, if you choose to go camping in the Southwest or, you know, actually uh, any parts of North America, because they're up in Canada too, these deer mice. God, they're uh, everywhere. <laughs> just, you know, make sure there's no gaps in your infrastructure. Oh and um, if you do feel sicky sick after being out and about and <sighs> maybe there were mice around, just go get yourself checked dude anyway, i don't know oh my god but i don't want to cause fear i don't want to cause fear that's not the point i'm just saying that that's a thing <laughs> dude okay see that's what okay i i was gonna say 
the glamping situation that we did in Big Sur definitely mm. could have had some hantavirus scurrying mm. mice around because yeah, exactly yeah. like this is here's how my brain works. Like whenever I see a dark hole or anything that ha- ha- can house something, I'm like, what the mm. fuck is living under there? Yes, my mind yes. goes wild. So what? So basically, some of the cabins were built on mounds of dirt, mm. but there's like mm-hmm. a gap in the foundation, right? So it's just uh. like it's just black. You don't know what's right. there. So I'm yeah. like, oh my God. And um, <laughs> and now I found out because right next, like something crawled out of like the little crawl space and it was that yeah, freaking yeah. tarantula. So uh, okay. I yeah. would not put it past that black hole to ha- house some mice. Right. And also it's just the thought that like mice are incredible in the fact that they can just get into any space, any space. You know what I thought of, actually, when I read the story? I was like, God damn, how many times have I exposed myself to hantavirus by letting my cats bring mice into oh the house? Oh, my God, you're right. Yes. And there was that one time where a mouse definitely got into my room because <gasps> my cat, you know, chased it in my room. Right. And I was too tired to deal with it. And I knew it was in my closet. <laughs> and eventually it left. Closet. Eventually, yes. Eventually it left. But I remember Wait, seeing, what like, little left? mouse... It was I, it was alive. Um, like I remember catching it, its tail kind of like underneath my sliding glass mirror door, uh-huh. like wiggling. Oh, and I I honestly forget the specifics. It's been so long. I think I opened it and somehow got it to like skitter okay. out of my back door. Okay, I just know event like I I just know that when I moved and cleaned my room, there was no dead mouse carcass. <laughs> so at some point, it left. <laughs> Um, or my cats got it yeah but when i did clean my room eventually like the back of the closet there was mouse droppings and i know that's gnarly it's so gross i know i basically harini reading (laughs) doing this story was like a huge critique on myself of like wow i really am just so okay with exposing myself to any sort of nasty (laughs) gross disgustingness oh man yeah i i I do kind of feel shame (laughs) now that i say it out loud (laughs) no no not at all because i that i'm sure there's so many people who have cats at home that are listening to this and being like wait shit my my mouth i mean not my mouth my cat brings mice to my home like as gifts and whatnot what have you so is it i mean i don't know if you did this research but are the mice that can be around residences are also deer mice or because i know you said there could be different types of species of mice that can carry specifically for me in san diego i have no idea what mice mices mice were (laughs) brought into my home i have no idea what type of mice were brought into mice mice were brought into my home but from from you know reading about the the uh what's the word how prolific deer mice you know are in this part of the the country especially california in my head i'm like it's very likely that there were deer mice in my near my house Mm -hmm. it's like likely like like in my head, if, if if you live next to a field right. or anything and you're in the Western United States right, slash Canada, you probably have deer mice in your area. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Yeah. I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're <laughs> so cute, though. They are so cute. Little oh. virus carriers. <laughs> they are so cute. They're so precious. Some fun, some fun facts because I did think about like, oh, my cats probably interacted with some deer mice and all that stuff. Yeah. Cats and dogs cannot okay dogs 
it wasn't as explicit. But cats <laughs> can get hantavirus, but it doesn't affect them. Like oh, it I... doesn't affect them like humans. Yeah, I'm sure. Can. It's asymptomatic, mm-hmm. basically. Same mm-hmm. with in rodents. Rodents carry it and it's asymptomatic. It doesn't it. impact them. Cats cannot transfer it to humans. Oh. Only mice can. Which is such a weird thing. Like, what? Huh. Like, what is that evolutionary dynamic yeah, that only when it's pooped out or peed out that it can get into our system? It's so weird. Yeah, because it only doesn't... from mice. Right. Because yeah. I was just going to say, like, it doesn't serve them any evolutionary advantage because it's not like it prevents them from being killed. You know what I mean? Right. Because it's just their right. droppings and other things that they leave out of their body. Right. You know? So to me, I'm almost like... It's the virus that's benefiting. Oh, absolutely. Way, absolutely. Right? Like, what's going on there? That's so like virus I don't, is thinking. You know, the virus <laughs> the virus has thoughts. It's like I'm gonna <laughs> this is my good host. I'm gonna stick it out for yeah. X amount of years and just chill. Right. Wow. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm not a virologist, but that is kind of like whacked. That me. is wild. <laughs> that's wild. <laughs> um and going back to dogs, I <laughs> Again, it wasn't as explicit, but I imagine that they can probably also carry it asymptomatically, but not transfer it. Okay. Also, it cannot be transferred from human to human either. Huh. Yeah. Weird. Man, that's weird. Watch out for the mice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Other fun facts to kind of like round it out, because that's pretty much, that was the story. So so I just figured to give you some fun fun little tidbits. From 1993, when it was initially discovered in the United States, Mm -hmm. to... All the way 2020, there have been a total of 87 cases in California residents of hantavirus pulmonary syndrome and over 700 cases nationally. Okay, so actually wow. not. It's very rare. It is rare. It is rare. Yeah. But its mortality rate is high. So it's like a weird. Yeah. I don't know how to feel about it. Wait. So I don't know if you I don't know if you looked into this, but yeah, it seems like mortality rate is high. But if you were to catch it somehow, like, is there a treatment or anything like that? Mm. I do have that. That is my ending of, uh, that's my antidotes. Okay. Okay. So there is no cure <laughs> or or vaccine okay. uh, that's currently approved by the FDA for hantavirus. Okay. There are some, there's like this very specific type of vaccine that is used in China and South Korea. But as far as like FDA approved, mm-hmm. there is no vaccine. Okay. I did not read further to see if what's being used in China or South Korea is also being used in like Western European nations or just like anywhere else mm-hmm, in the globe, mm-hmm. you know. But as m- most sources just kind of maintain that there's no true cure or vaccine yet, but okay. it is being heavily researched. Okay. If you were to, you know, contract hantavirus and get specifically hantavirus pulmonary syndrome, Mm -hmm. typically you are just given support at the intensive care unit through like mechanical ventilation to supply, you know, oxygen. And if it is caught early and managed early, then you do have a good chance of overcoming it. But you would need that if like at some point you'll, I, I didn't go over the symptoms, but I'll do that. At some point you'll go through what's called the acute pulmonary stage of the disease. And that's mm-hmm. the worst part of it where respiratory mm-hmm. failure is a risk. Yeah. And that's why you'd be put on that um, ventilation. Mm-hmm. So a real quick review of symptoms. The incubation period for hantavirus pulmonary syndrome can range between two to four weeks. So like Jeez. you'd be asymptomatic for a while. Yeah. During this time, you know, most people don't know that it's there over time. Like once that incubation period 
uh, comes to an end, you do start to experience flu-like symptoms, fever, body aches, lethargy, difficulty Mm -hmm. breathing. And then if, you know, not checked and you just think it's like a common flu and it continues into its worst stage, which is the um, pulmonary acute respiratory I'm getting on the words. I'm like, acute <laughs> respiratory failure stage. You can experience that respiratory failure. And in some cases, pulmonary edema, which is when liquid starts mm-hmm. to fill into the spaces into your lungs. Mm-hmm. And then this, as a result, can create additional respiratory and cardiac com- com- comorbidities. Yeah. So that's pretty much it. And Oof. then as you cycle through that stage, let's say you successfully fight that the hardest part of that yeah you go through a diuretic stage where you just pee the virus out <laughs> all right down for that just comes out you pee <laughs> <sighs> and back to the mice <laughs> i know it's just a cycle <laughs> yeah <laughs> but that's it so wow. yeah it wasn't a very traditional poison per se yeah. but i guess you could argue some mice poop pee mm. saliva oh, that can be toxic that is of toxic course. of course yeah i mean it's like no duh like of course they carry yeah. disease and virus but yeah, like yeah. this was a very specific yeah, yeah i know yeah. i loved it i loved it it's and it's very topical in a way because i'm sure people are going to start go going to go camping yes, and stuff yes. yeah we are almost in June. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it's time. This is a summertime PSA yeah. for our campers and our glampers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just do your due diligence to check your infrastructure yeah. if you're yeah. deciding to use a cabin. And um, yeah, that's all. This is the only advice I have. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, okay. I I have to say there's too many mind-blowing things in this episode. But the <laughs> But the one thing that somehow stuck in my pea brain was the one where you said where they their only weapon, I guess, was the their pencil. And <laughs> and I didn't realize that just mm-hmm. if a pencil can fit through the hole, then a mouse mm-hmm. can. So like they can really yeah. squeeze themselves yes. real small or something. So small. What? what? It's crazy. I mean, I think about my cats like. My cats can squeeze into the craziest places. Really? You know how there's a joke that like cats don't have spines because (laughs) you'll see them trapped under a garage door, but like somehow manage to like survive and get through or whatever. Like, like, I'm like, if a cat can wiggle through stuff, then mice for sure can get through anything. Whoa. That blows my mind. Whoa. I did not realize that. Yeah. And oh, this is the one thing that I also didn't share, but like, why in 2012, like this one time in Yosemite, was there like an outbreak? Yeah. So I think what I read was that there was a particularly good rainy season prior Mm. to the summer. So it was just such a lush and fruitful, like grain wise, you know, environment for the mices. And so the mice just bred and bred and they had lots of food. And also having those cabins specifically because they didn't have to go out into the yeah. wild and compete for their food or whatever. Damn. They just kept breeding <laughs> inside the cabins. Dude. And here's a wild fact. Deer mice, they can have babies again after six weeks oh. of having their first batch of babies. What? Yes. So they just can keep they, going. They just, yes. So that's gross. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they just check into the Yosemite Hotel. Yeah, and there's post a love up. shack. It's a that's love all it was. shack. <laughs> all right. Well, that's my story. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, that's perfect. Perfect PSA. Cool, perfect cool. timing. That summertime mm-hmm. sadness. Love it. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. Good job, Megan. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go into our antidotes. Actually, okay. Well, now I was going to say, now that we are in the mood for PSA and we're already talking about infections, I thought I might do like a small snippet PSA for the monkeypox for people who are like, what the fuck's going on? Yeah, tell me more. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So monkeypox, if people have not heard by now, there is another disease going around. (laughs) Uh, but we're, we're laughing out of nervousness. Out of nervousness, <laughs> dude. Okay, real talk though. When we were driving home on Sunday, and Dave's like, "Dude, monkeypox is going around. It's starting to pop up." And I got angry because I was like, "Stop mm. messing with me!" <laughs> and he's like, "I'm not. This is real." So then I started to look yeah. it up, and I was like, "Oh shit, what's going on?" Because we have yeah. done our episode on smallpox. Which is terrifying. Smallpox yeah. is yeah. horrifying. Thank God yeah. we have our vaccines and it's eradicated. Right. So monkeypox is not smallpox. It is similar, uh, and they actually have similar symptoms, but a milder version of those symptoms. But to backtrack okay. a little bit, so monkeypox. I think the first case was on May 18th. Uh, a U.S. resident who was traveling from Canada tested positive for monkeypox. And the reason why epidemiologists primarily are concerned is because it's kind of similar to what you were talking about with the hantavirus. Mm-hmm. It is not a disease that is normally originated in, in North America mm. or even Europe for that matter. It originated in Africa and that's where most of the outbreaks have occurred. Uh, but mm. now it has popped up in 11 different non-African countries, primarily in Europe and of course like North America. Wow. So that's kind of with why with, mm-hmm. with no linkage to the original sources. Okay. In Correct. Yeah. Okay. Correct. Exactly. So there's a few like levels of why epidemiologists are concerned. And I wouldn't say it's a concern for us as regular people It's more like on their like work level. It's concerning mm. for this exact reason. They're not able to trace. They're not able to link, as you said, Megan, mm-hmm. why this is happening like they can't connect oh this person was in contact with this person so therefore x plus x y and z makes sense right mm-hmm, uh it mm-hmm. just seemingly has kind of come out of nowhere and mm. on top of that the people who are getting this virus the monkey pox they are not showing any symptoms. So Mm. it is spreading silently or asymptomatically, which is not usually how it is. So Mm. the reason why it's concerning for them is because it makes it harder for them to track it, right? Right. So um, because usually with smallpox as well as monkeypox, you get those raised um, rashes, like Mm -hmm. the characteristic pox marks. Yeah. Um, But that's not really happening right now. Anyways, the thing that is good about this is we have vaccines for it. So that work. So we don't have to really Mm -hmm. worry about, you know, creating a vaccine for it. Uh, It is quite rare. Thirdly, if you do happen to get it, even if you didn't get treatment, you would most people recover within a few weeks. So Mm, it's not as concerning, for example, as COVID. It's also not as easily spread or as easily contagious as COVID. You would have to 
exchange bodily fluids such as with saliva or coughing. One Mm. thing to note, though, that has concerned some people is that it's been primarily happening in men ages 20 Mm -hmm. to 50 years old who are Mm -hmm. gay or bisexual and have sex with other men. Mm -hmm. This monkeypox is not typically known as a sexually transmitted disease, but of course, like having sex is Mm -hmm. considered, you know, uh, close contact and probably an exchange of bodily fluids. Right. A form of transmission. A form of transmission that way. So there definitely has been a PSA out there for to the LGBTQ plus community to just be aware that this is happening and to just have those extra precautions in place. But it it can happen to anybody. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting. And I I do think, honestly, out of everything you said, what is fascinating is that concept of like, how do these things pop up? Maybe they have a, you know, a genetic linkage to its original source in Mm -hmm. whatever countries in Africa, but it's like the Hanta virus. That linkage is probably, I mean, I can only speak for the Hanta virus because that's what I studied, but like that linkage, genetic linkage was hundreds to thousands of years old and yeah like there's no former the fact that there's no no former evidence of it ever existing anywhere else and now it's popping up it's mm-hmm. really wild and right that's really interesting like why yeah. now and also mm-hmm. one thing i forgot it's also zoonotic so it's a transition uh, is supposed to be from an animal hence monkey pox it comes from monkeys right. uh, interesting but it, that doesn't mean it can't be transferred from human to human again you would have to have more closer contacts for that yeah but yeah. again like why now? Like, why is this happening? I believe the last outbreak, I don't want to say incorrectly, but I think it was some hmm. sometime in the early 2000s. And that was on hmm. a much smaller scale. This is the highest mm-hmm. number we've had um, wow. in history. So interesting. Yeah. So the, yeah. So the symptoms are just, you said co- coughing or it's just the pox so, or... Mm-hmm. Yeah. So typically it will start with a rash that occurs on your face and then it'll spread to the rest of your body, which are those pox. Mm -hmm. It'll start as a rash and I think it will raise after that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that should be followed or in conjunction with a fever. And then that is followed by just flu-like symptoms. But as I said, like that will all go away. It's much milder than what you would get with smallpox. Plus, as soon as you have those symptoms, you can take the vaccine. Right. Yeah. That's so interesting. Yeah, uh, our buddy Drew is—is is he already an epidemiologist or on the pathway? Like he, that's his area of interest. Oh, yes. I, I don't—he's a doctor. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day. But yeah. um, part of me is like, I'd love to pick Drew's brain on this. I know like, we should have him on an upcoming episode. I would love to. further discussion. Yes. Yeah. This is his All bread right. and butter, not mine. So yeah. let's have it. <laughs> let's pick his brain. Let's pick his yeah, monkey yeah. brain. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for that. That that's so fun. That's I mean, sorry, not fun. I mean, it's, it's, it's the vi- virology, the, the evolution. The, the, yeah, it's fun. The science. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all right, it. all right. Let's let's go into our antidotes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. take it away? Sure. Okay. Um, my antidote is. Uh, I think my antidote is actually Ted Lasso. The show. It is just so. Aww beautiful <laughs> it's such a good show it is yeah honestly like at first i was like this guy is too fucking happy <laughs> but um <laughs> but i enjoyed too it chipper. he's too chipper yeah. uh but i really enjoyed it so um actually we just finished watching the last episode because they fell asleep so he had to rewatch the last episode of the second <laughs> season um and the whole pretty much the last episode surround is surrounded by this song um never gonna give you up 
yeah, yeah, let yeah. you down. Uh, uh, so uh, we've just been <laughs> blasting that song until I got on here and recorded. So it's just fun. Fun times. No wonder you're in a good mood. <laughs> no, you're always in a good mood. You're always in a good mood. But yeah, yeah. Always a sad that, that would <laughs> that would also make me super uppity and chipper and just like in the best ways. That song is ways. good. This, today was just fun. a good day yeah. too. I, today in general good. was just a really good day. So good. Yeah. And you're about to leave for your trip. Yeah. I'm sure you're just like exploding with happiness. <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> what a great antidote thank you i i need to watch i i canceled my apple plus uh subscription but we'll maybe you know maybe i'll create another fake email <laughs> and subscribe again we'll see love it love it um uh, i i too have a, like a tv show antidote cool mine's on the opposite side of the spectrum though i have uh got finished up to the mid-season finale of the sixth season of Better Call Saul. Okay. Poison Pals, if you're tuned into that, mind blown, right? Mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> I will not give any spoilers, but I am I, I'm, I'm satisfied with okay. how it's going so far. Okay. I keep having a debate with my sister who's also watching. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, is what's happening jumping the shark or is it good writing because sometimes you know there are shows that will do certain things Mm -hmm. that are kind of extreme yeah and you just kind of you know i think honestly also like all the way back to game of thrones there's so many extremes and twists and turns that happen that we i'm like on what level are we being trained to think that that's good writing Uh, or is it jumping the shark so i had that debate with my sister in regards (laughs) to better call saul she's like no this is good writing she's like here's my analysis blah 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 right like okay you know what that that is good writing (laughs) that is good writing so that is my one show that I'm now it's the mid season finale, which means we have to wait Ooh. another, you know, months or something oh. for the next half of the season to Ooh. come out. They're, okay. They're really milking it. They're yeah. Milking I was going to say, wait, is this the last yeah. season ever? This is the last season. Oh, shit. Last season. Pretty sure it's because Bob Odenkirk, who plays mm-hmm. Jimmy McGill, mm-hmm. aka Saul Goodman, pretty sure it's because he did have like heart problems in uh, the last year and a half. Okay. And so I'm like, I feel like he doesn't want to like push himself. And I'm yeah, like, I'm all about that because i do love bob odenkirk i might be misspeaking but i do know he had a heart heart thing uh this last year so anyway gotcha okay wait yeah quick question is better call saul the same writers as breaking bad or did they switch it up for for better call saul i think they're the same okay yeah gotcha cool excuse me love it keep burping during this episode (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you Um, um all right. Yeah. I guess I'll take it. Take, take it out. Here. Take it out. Uh, <laughs> don't risk it for that uh, poop infested <laughs> glamp ground biscuit. Woo! <laughs> Woo! All right. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. 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 Yeah.